0: The America League Central. Is it easy to pick? Last year, everybody knew the White Sox were going to win. This year, everybody knows the Guardians are going to win. Here's the only thing I know nobody knows anything except that I'm about to start this preview at Locked On MLB.
1: You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day.
0: Oh, and welcome to a special Locked On MLB where we preview the American League Central. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm an Emmy nominated television producer who's hosted a daily podcast about baseball for well over a decade. And thanks so much for making Locked On MLB. Part of your day is we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. On today's podcast, just how high can the Guardians fly? Will anyone actually challenge them for first place? Will the real White Sox and real twins please stand up? And how much longer will we have to wait for the Royals and the Tigers to finish their rebuilds? We'll start with this. And, of course, the question, why won't the Guardians win the central title? But first, let's introduce our panel from the aforementioned Guardians, it's Justin Ladov, of Locked On Guardians. How you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good, Sully. Thanks. I'm ready to talk AL Central baseball with you.
0: Well, someone was mad that the Cleveland won last year. That was Nick Morawski of Locked On White Sox. How you doing, man?
2: Doing well, Sully. Uh, watch out, man. Sacks are coming this year, I'm uh, I'm, and I'm serious this time. I really okay, am. Okay,
0: okay. We, we, we totally believe you, but we also <laughs> believe Brandon Warren of Lockdown Minnesota Twins has something to say about that. Depth, depth, depth. Your Twins are going to be the division champions
3: in 2023. Can I get
0: an amen? Well, hey, there's one thing I know. They were the last team that Carlos Correa signed with. You know, the first 29 all-held press conferences, but guess what? came back to Minnesota and who could blame him Minnesota's a nice place so is Detroit don't believe me ask Scott Bentley how you doing from locked on Tigers
4: I'm doing great you know this is kind of a uh just happy to be here every year for me so yeah can't, can't wait to talk some ball though
0: well and we're happy you're here and of course we're happy that Rylan Styles is here from locked on Kansas City Royals what's up buddy
5: what's up much like scott just uh we're just hanging around not, not doing much yeah, well, in kansas city
0: yeah except only one of the teams that we've mentioned has won a world series title in the last 10 years so Ryland, you can keep those 2015 dvds rolling that's how long it was we were using dvds um are the guardians going to win and how could the royals throw their proverbial shoe into the machine and make this an interesting year
5: well, I'm not sure if the Guardians are going to win. I actually like the White Sox a lot in this division. But the Royals, what they could do is just simply have these young guys pan out. Like, what if every pitcher starts clicking? What if all of a sudden Daniel Lynch and Jackson Coar actually looks like an MLB pitcher? And then you have those guys pan out and you have Bugwit Jr. look like a superstar. Then you can maybe make some noise in this division. But uh, that's a lot of what ifs and a lot of hope. And oftentimes that doesn't pan out.
0: Well, we are living in Brady Singer's world. I mean, this is basically he's in control. Um, tell me a little bit about the new skipper in Kansas City. It's no longer Mike Matheny. What's going on here?
5: Yeah, Matty Q in uh, Kansas City now obviously comes from Tampa Bay. So it, it feels like the Royals are finally leaning into how what it takes to be a small market team and have small market, market success like the Guardians have, like Tampa Bay has had, uh, like Oakland has had, more sustained small market success. I think that him bringing in Ryan Yarbrough signals some things of like he's going to get creative with how to manage these pitchers who have to this point failed besides Brady Singer uh, and maybe use them as openers, maybe use them as guys that kind of piggyback off of each other, uh, but, but get creative in how to get the best out of them. With him comes a whole new coaching staff, obviously, most notably a new pitching coach, uh, which is going to be much needed for these young prospects. And it's very positive right now, which it's the first spring training under a new you know skipper. So that's always going to happen, but it's very positive right now.
0: All right, I get this is a philosophical question that just hit me. It wasn't on my little list here, but I wonder: for a fan base, would you rather have a very short peak that includes a World Series title, or a very long peak where you're contending every year but you don't get that parade?
5: Yeah, like this sport specifically, it, it's mm-hmm. a more interesting question than other sports. I think that with this sport, I mean, the Royals made the playoffs twice in my lifetime. Now, granted, they went to the World yeah. Series both times, but that's two. That's only two summers of like. Having a full season of fun, exciting baseball where they're actually competitive and meaningful games that, that you've gotten to see in your entire life, which, which kind of sucks, even though the reward at the end of it was a World Series trophy, uh, which is great. Uh, so I think that for this sport, I would, I would much rather have sustained success because it's such an everyday kind of uh, right. socializing event and, and, and kind of a, a staple in your life versus other sports where it's kind of quick and easy to where you, you maybe chase that championship more. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting
0: balance for sure. Yeah, well, you you have the Chiefs to, uh, to tide you over till dinner. Um, hey, let's just move it right over to uh, Scott Bentley. The Tigers were supposed to take a big step forward last year. Needless to say, uh, things didn't go as well as they thought. Uh, which was the fluke? The solid ending of the 2021 season or last year's uh, stubbing of the toe? Well... <laughs>
4: We're gonna we're gonna pray to anything we can that it was uh, that that the fluke was last year, but um, no, I mean it, it's I remember doing this preview last year and and coming on here and saying that the Tigers were gonna take a step forward and they certainly weren't gonna win the division or anything, but it was it was gonna be a really nice step forward for the the Tigers and and they clearly did not and, and had a dreadful season and um, you, you know I, I think there's some there's a lot of pessimism obviously going around the fan base and whatever going into this year but um I, I do think that when you look at what did happen last year it was genuinely a conversation of everything that could have possibly gone wrong did like we had almost 20 different players start like on the mound for us like with injuries and stuff and every single person in the lineup had either the worst year of their career comfortably, or if they were like a rookie or second year player, just like totally well below what expectations were of said players. So I, I think that there's a little bit of like some small optimism of like, Hey, you know, last year was just, you know, a Murphy's law season. And this year is kind of a, you know, if water even just finds its level and that people just put up their career like norms, we could be talking about a, a much better
0: ball club this year. Well, look at who is a young player on this team that you're looking that you as a uh, you as a Tigers guy are looking at going. Hey, if this person clicks, that could sort of spark the team and spark a bunch of other positive things kind of like when like the, like when baltimore brought up rutchman and all of a sudden there's there's there was there was some fun happening in baltimore uh who's a player like that that could be on detroit do that for detroit
4: yeah riley green it's not even close uh I, I, Mm -hmm. i think he's he's not only the comfortably the best prospect in the Detroit Tigers organization, I think he's one of the best prospects in all of baseball, or at least he was before he lost prospect status um, last year. All of his numbers were good. He just had a sixty percent ground ball rate in the spring. He's been lifting the ball a lot more. Um, I I fully expect Riley Green to really break out and have a fantastic season. Um, but there, there's a few candidates for that. Spencer Torgelson, obviously number one overall pick a few years ago. He had a dreadful season last year and. Has looked really, really good in the spring and has made adjustments like that are already very tangible and and that you can kind of see. Um, and I mean, on the pitching side, there's there's obviously a ton of um, of room for just like staying healthy, to be honest. But uh, there's always some some players, uh, some some pitchers that you can throw into there. But I think that really easy too, are, are Riley Green and Spencer Torgelson. And I, I am I think so highly of Riley Green; he's
0: a pretty easy answer there for me. Hey, the NCAA tournament is heating up. We're going to have the NBA playoffs soon. We're going to have Stanley Cup playoffs soon. This is one of the best times to be a sports watcher and to be putting some money down. There's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if the first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on anything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. It's all in an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your chance for a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Now for the three teams that, uh, well, have a shot, have a legit shot. And we're going to go to the surprising team. The, the Minnesota Twins, I actually picked to be a wildcard team last year. Uh, and lest we forget, even though they finished with a losing record, they were tied for first place in Labor Day weekend, which means – in the end, if they just had a decent final month of the season or didn't get steamrolled by Cleveland, well, they may have gone to the postseason and get swept. So we don't know what's going to happen. But Brandon Warren is here from Locked on Twins. Uh, everyone thought that Correa was a rental uh, and those Correa jerseys were going to be worthless pretty soon. Well, he's back after kicking the tires with a couple other teams. Um, tell me what your thoughts are. What? Can this team turn it around? A team that was in first place for a gigantic chunk of the season.
3: Yeah. I hope Emilio Pagan got a playoff share from Cleveland because (laughs) he was a big reason (laughs) that they were able to leapfrog the twins at that point in the season. And the big deal with Correa was it felt like he didn't get a big hit until late in the season when it didn't matter anymore. So to have him back is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not grumbling about that, but There was just no synergy between the pitching and hitting last year. And I think Cleveland had a lot of spots where they stepped up. You can say with sour grapes that they got some breaks. But at the end of the day, if you get breaks and you make good on them, you deserve that. You take your cap off to that. So um, the Twins went out and stockpiled depth. Kyle Farmer. Donovan Solano, they have Nick Gordon, so they're stocked in the infield. Joey Gallo in the outfield. Hopefully Trevor Larnick is healthy. Michael A. Taylor, they go out and trade for a Gold Glove center fielder, which I think puts the writing on the wall that Byron Buxton will probably DH a little more than we had hoped before. But depth, 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 they go out and trade for their opening day starter. It's not too bad when Kent Maeda is your number five starter. So wow. I am really, really high on this team. And it's probably going to sound like I'm a homer, but I can – I can take it. This is a balanced, strong team that I think is right in the thick of it in the Central in
0: 2023. Well, they got out of the gates red hot. But let's we forget, they were in first place by themselves in uh, a post-trade deadline in August. They were in first place by themselves. And so, you know, the, I think this is an example of the, you know, look, I know Bill Parcells famously said, you are what your record says, and they finished the year 78 and 84. I do think that's misleading. I do think that's misleading for the kind of team that they had and the kind of season that they had. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of two other teams that had losing seasons in 2021, despite being playoff teams deep in the year, that is the Mets and the Padres. And they sort of took their lumps, dusted themselves off. But what those two teams did, they changed their manager. Rocco Baldelli, is he the right guy? Is he going to find his inner Tom Kelly or Ron Gardner? I think so.
3: Yeah, I mean, let's just clear the air though. 78 and 84 is not good for anyone. That's Mm -hmm. bad for fans because it's not entertaining. It's bad for the team because you're not good enough to have a high to make the playoffs. You're not bad enough to have a good draft pick. Although in this case in the lottery, the twins do actually jump up into the top five or six for a draft pick. So in this case, it did work out. But um you really have a hard time knowing what your identity is for as far as manager goes, 78 and 84 got Paul Molitor fired by this brain trust, this front office. So I can see the question there, although they inherited Paul Molitor from the previous regime, right? Rocco Baldelli is their guy. Again, another Tampa Bay raised tree manager from the Joe Madden, a branch of the Joe Madden managerial tree, same kind of deal with platoons and different things against lefties and letting pitchers face the order two times through and, taking them out if they're not that strong. Um, I think Rocco's the guy. I've always liked him personally. You know, we've got a good relationship from when I covered the team um, at Target Field through 2019. But I think the, the seat definitely gets a little hotter if this team this year doesn't make some, some strides because they've put them in a spot to succeed, even with the Alex Kirilov injury coming out of spring training and Jorge Polanco. Not new injuries, mind you, but just they're not going to be ready to start the season the depth that they've put in place and the team that they're handing Rocco Baldelli this year, um, there's no Chris Archer in this rotation. There's no Dylan Bundy in this rotation. rotation. No Matt Shoemaker, no Jay Hap. The time is now. So the seat could definitely get hot a year from now. And if it gets hot on Rocco, keep in mind, it's probably hot on the guys above him as well.
0: By the way, I'm just gonna throw out one interesting thing from at least from my point of view. Uh, Byron Buxton signed a long-term extension Uh, He's and he still has played 100 games, a grand total of once in his career Um, this year. uh, Last year, he played 92 games and set career highs and home runs and runs bad in and career highs in a lot of his categories Um, and and actually was on the all star team. Um, And then, of course, injuries shut things down. What are we expecting from him? What are we going to get? Are we going to get? Uh, 400 plate appearances from uh, him which he's done a grand total of once in his career or is this a situation where it's it's always going to be tantalizing because what he plays is wonderful
3: yeah the, every time he came to the plate last year you had a feeling that something could happen something special and it's been a long time since the Twins have had a hitter like that but mm-hmm. you know absence makes the heart grow fonder and that's exactly the case with uh, with Buxton last year and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again hoping for a different result. So the Twins are having him DH more. They went out and hired a trainer away from Oakland who was one of the healthy-ish teams last year. They're trying things. Um, if it doesn't work, I don't know what's next. You got to get 100 games out of your $100 million man. And keep in mind, I think it's worth noting that both Correa and Buxton, they're two cornerstones, both are signed on reasonably modest deals for the types of players they're capable of being. So this is a team that can still build around them, because they're going to have to probably sign some of these pitchers they've traded for, whether it's Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Tyler Malley. So they have more work to do, but I think they're in a good spot. And if Byron Buxton can stay healthy, um, you know, I think you really got to like this team's chances.
0: Nick Morowski, you were on Lockdown on the Mill Bean uh, just, uh, I think last week, maybe the week before, and we talked in depth. Everyone in their moose were picking the White Sox to win the division last year. And while the White Sox remain competitive for a big chunk of the year, they were a dysfunctional family. They were, they were, uh, they were you know, heading in multiple directions. And now you and I talked that, yes, the loss of Abreu is a sucker punch to the throat. But maybe, just maybe, there is a little bit of cohesion in the South Side. And that just maybe that element of we're all on the same page could go a long way for the White Sox to have a good year.
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, Sox fans, that they probably didn't want to admit it, but when the Sox drafted Andrew Vaughn in 2019, I think the writing was on the wall. Uh, Sox weren't going to pay that kind of money for Jose Abreu, and Jose Abreu doesn't want to DH. He wants to continue to play first base. I think the front office and Jerry Reinsdorf uh, were a bit of a, a difference before that big three-year contract that they gave him that expired this past season, Reinsdorf wanted to keep Abreu, keep him in a White Sox uniform. Front office wanted to move on, and uh, and that's what they did. Uh, excited to see what Andrew Vaughn can do. Uh, he's got a lot of weight on his shoulder because he's trying to step out of the shadow of Jose Abreu, that stepped out of the shadow of Paul Canerco that stepped out of the shadow of Frank Thomas. So. Uh, yeah Vaughn Vaughn has got a, a lot on his plate there at first base but I think he can hide in what we're hoping on the south side is a healthy lineup if Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert can play over 120 maybe over 130 games watch out uh, a healthy Tim Anderson at the top of the lineup he's re-energized uh Johan Mancada. Please stay healthy. Him running into that left fielder uh, in the World Baseball Classic, uh, everybody's heart stopped uh, here in Chicago. Uh, Thankfully, it seems like he is uh, in a good spot right now. Uh, We brought in Andrew Benatendi, an actual left fielder, to play left field. Uh, Last year, we had two corner outfielders that had no business being uh, in the outfield. So. Uh, Grandal, you know, it sounds like his legs are right, but he's also had multiple surgeries and for a catcher, that's not good as you continue to get into your later thirties. Uh, but I like the, I like the lineup. I'm, I'm really confident about the starting five, uh, Kopek, uh, wild card. And, you know, Clevenger, I don't really know what we're going to get out of him for a variety sure. of different reasons, but your top three C Lynn, uh, Gialito, who has got a walk year here, he's got a lot to prove. Uh, I like that. Biggest question mark right now is depth in the bullpen. Uh, Garrett Crochet, our fireballer left hander, coming off of uh, Tommy John, we're not going to see him until mid-May, and and Liam Hendricks is battling something bigger than baseball right now, so so no idea on that. So that's the big that's the big question right now for the Sox.
0: All right, let's take a minute to talk about the ultimate baseball GM. My whole life. I've wanted to run my own team, and I used to do it with baseball cards and Stratomatic and video games and fantasy baseball, but nothing is easier, more fun, and more thorough than doing the ultimate baseball GM. And I love our new partner and the sponsor of today's episode. My team. They're the Honolulu Waves, and we're off to a rough start right now. I didn't do the best job of putting together my team, but I got players in the minor leagues. You can call them up. Honolulu's going to win this, and that's the deal. You can create your own team, managing your own professional franchise for baseball, and it's a dream come true. All the aspects of running a team, hiring the right coaches, hiring the right staff, managing the team's finances, scouting, drafting players, managing those difficult personalities. Huh? And you can navigate your franchise, mines the Honolulu Waves, through free agency and the ups and downs of the season. All this is a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable online, on the go. Play as you want and whenever you want to. And now, Locked On MLB listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the Game Store. The Waves need that so make sure to check it out to download the game just visit probaseballgm.com scan the code or look it up in the app store that's probaseballgm.com ultimate baseball gm start your dynasty today cleveland won the division and almost got to the alcs last year with a payroll slightly bigger than that of the locked on mlb podcasters um, some of the players were paid at built bars, but we're taking a look at this team. They could pitch, especially if a Tristan McKenzie can turn things around and be and be an, and be an ace from you know wire to wire. Um, Justin Lada, what, what are we looking at with, for the defending champs of this division? And are they going to repeat, or is this are they going to take a step back the way that the White Sox did last year?
1: Yeah, the, whether they repeat or not is going to depend on if they can. Build off their success last year. I think the key thing they have going for them is Terry Francona, you know, is let them know from the beginning, hey, last year was great. Enjoy that. Nobody cares. You got to do it again this year. Uh, and that's has been his message to them, uh, to turning the page every day, whether it's one game, whether it's a season, gets them to turn the page and not worry about last year, worry about the game in front of them. Uh, got to put together this, this young lineup again and see if guys can take steps forward. You know, Andres Jimenez, can he do it again? Uh, is Stephen Kwan going to follow up on that? got to get a full healthy season of Jose Ramirez. He was great in the first half and, you know, not so great in the second half, despite a broken thumb, maybe just, maybe for the first time since like 2019, they'll get something offensively out of catcher other than a giant zero at the bottom of the lineup. That'd be something good for them. And, uh, how far their starting rotation takes them really. you said, McKenzie was pretty good last year. He's a dark horse, some places for AL Cy young, you got Shane Bieber, who's, you know, getting really close to free agency, who knows if this is his last year in Cleveland, if they'll trade him over the offseason? So they're going to want a big year from him. And the bottom of the rotation is a little bit of a question mark. I mean, Cal Crunchyroll is, is pretty solid in his role. The guys below that had injuries and inconsistencies last year, and they've got a wave of young arms ready to take over. It just depends on, you know, what their leash is going to be. This, the, this, the rotation ceiling is sky high with those prospects that could be coming along, but how long of a leash are they going to give the guys that are struggling and Are they going to score enough runs? You know, they were 15th in offense last year. They were first in contact rate. They were last in hard hit rate. Uh, Is that style of play going to bear out for them over 162 games? And unlike everybody else in the division, they were healthy all last year for the most part, except for Plesak and Savali. Uh, Are they going to repeat that again? Uh, That's that other tough question. Everybody is worried about health, but they were the one team that wasn't necessarily uh, getting unlucky in the health department last year.
0: Let's go around the horn right now one last time time of this show and tell me who you think is going to win the division okay let's start with you rylan because you're you are the most impartial observer of this thing because the royals if you say royals then you're the ultimate homer so uh ron who do you think is going to win this division
5: well i started out by saying i really like the white Sox, but brandon's pitch for the for the twins really got to me Mm -hmm. and i'm switching it twins are going to win the division
0: Ooh, there you go. All right. That's one for one for Minnesota. So we are not going to, I know we're not going to have a sweep. Uh, Scott, who you got?
4: Yeah, I'll take Cleveland, man. I, uh, I, I, that's, that's been my opinion since October of last year. I don't think they did anything this off season to change it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I got, I got, I, I could absolutely see the White Sox just bouncing back to two years ago and, and making a run at the thing and. Minnesota obviously has a lot of pieces too, but uh, Cleveland is uh, is a very high floor. They're the highest floor comfortably, in my opinion, in this division. Um, and I, I think all the other teams have some some uh, you know, could 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 be really good. A couple of things could go wrong and they they could maybe fall under. Certainly my team included. And uh, I think Cleveland is the, the most likely to just be consistently toward the top most of the season. And um, pitching factory up there with youth, as as Justin mentioned as well, I, I really like how Cleveland runs their organization if they just pay their players a little bit more. So I, I'm going to run with Cleveland for sure.
0: Brandon, Minnesota, this is when it gets interesting. Are you going to vote on your own or are you going to vote with your heart or your head?
3: Both. Or I both? say twins with the both, honestly. Uh, it's 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 not even me just being cheeky anything like that Um, to have a season where you're basically the scene in the Simpsons where sideshow Bob steps on a rake and keeps getting smoked in the face, like to have a season like that and still win 78 games tells me that there's enough of a core here to make something happen. You build in all that depth, the safety nets where if you have injuries in the infield, a guy like Kyle Farmer, who has played many big league games can step in instead of someone like Tim Beckham, who yeah, he's number one pick, but he's just kind of a guy. Um, you know, they, they had a number of guys that had to step in like that, and they're not going to have to do that this year. I love the depth of the rotation. They went out and bought at the deadline last year with Jorge Lopez and Tyler Malley, uh, Mike, Michael Fulmer too, but uh, they're going to get something out of those guys this year that they didn't last year, in my opinion. I just think they're structured in a way that they can win the race. I I have no disrespect for the White Sox or Guardians. I think they're both very, very solid teams. I just think that if it isn't now, then when
0: for the Twins? Nick Morawski, locked on White Sox. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got the White Sox. um, And it's uh, not going to be easy at all. It's uh, going to be a tough season. I think it's going to come down to the last few weeks. um, But with Pedro Grafaule coming in and bringing in virtually an entire new coaching staff that he has uh, some comfort with, like he handpicked this coaching staff. I mean, everything that we have read as Sox fans, it is nothing but positive of what he is trying to do about with culture, chemistry, getting back to fundamentals, all of the things that the Sox got away from because they thought the division was going to just be handed to them in 2022. Uh, like it was in 2021 Uh, and you know we got a new we just have a new outlook and there's health there isn't a great track record with health i get that but that is what we're being pitched uh, by our front office Uh, if they stay healthy i I don't think anybody can beat this lineup top to bottom yeah there's some depth issues and if the socks are in it which i hope they are by the trade deadline do i have faith in the front office uh, you know, making those final pushes uh, to get us what we need, that that, that is also the big question mark. I, I wouldn't bank on it with this front office and with the owner that we have. I could see them just kind of sitting on their hands. So that worries me a little bit. But all in all, uh, we're extremely, you know, excited here on the south side. Uh, yes, health
1: is in question, but uh, I, I love this team.
0: Justin Lada,
1: what do you think? Yeah, I'm going – I'm going with the Guardians, no surprise here. They're motivated to make sure that that everybody knows last year was no fluke. You know, they're not going to sneak up on anybody this time around, but they really embrace being baseball's runs and the guys that uh, weren't invited to the party but showed up anyway last year. And they have good clubhouse camaraderie, good chemistry, and they're young. Like I said before, Terry Francona, despite the age gap between him and his players, he's the right manager for this team. They've got depth, too. I mean, they've got young players and the depth they are bringing in behind those guys is young, but they're also talented. So they have something to fall back on, like I said before, too. They're pitching. Uh, they've got a lot of young, good young pitching they can bring up. And, you know, they've got the best farm system in the division, too. So when they get down to the training deadline, they can go out and trade for basically anything they can look for, anything any upgrades they need to make uh, as long as they are healthy and uh, they can find the right trading partner.
0: Well, look, I'm going to make my pick and uh, um, I, I, I've been fluctuating between the top three. And I do think only a couple of games are going to separate Chicago, Cleveland and uh, Minnesota. I am leaning towards Cleveland because of their youth, because Frank has been there, done that, and because of their deep farm system. But Nick makes a great point that a big problem they had last year was the dysfunctional family element. And you can't take away the fact of, hey, It's just nicer to be here, and we're not tense and making boneheaded errors. And, B, we are all on the same page, and we're healthy. I think only three games are going to separate those top uh, three teams. I'm leaning a little towards Cleveland, but it wouldn't stomach anywhere else. But, hey, this has been the American League Central preview. We've got all these teams, all 30 teams. Check about It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day subscribe to locked on white socks with nick morowski subscribe to locked on guardians with justin latta subscribe to locked on twins with brandon warren subscribe to locked on tigers with uh, Scott Bedley, sorry, I'm losing my voice over this, That's how sad I am. And Ryland Stiles over there at Lockdown Royals. Thank you all for being part of it. Thank you for listening to all these previews. I can't wait to get this season started. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.